All right. Uh, so I noticed something happening over the last few days, and I realized that I need to throw uh, my hat in the rank as well on this. I don't know if that's the right saying, but I've noticed that, you know, Matt told you guys all about Star Wars as his favorite, and then Tom this morning talked all about how Superman was his favorite, and I thought, oh, you guys can't leave without knowing what my favorite is. So... Um, I don't know if I've got any other fans in the room or online, but I am a Marvel girl. I love Marvel. That's right. Yes. Winner. So um, the thing with Marvel, one of my housemates and I, uh, we are watching them now chronologically all the way through. It's so good. We're about halfway. I'm loving it. Obviously, Iron Man's the best. And um, obviously, Aquaman is the worst. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Did someone say he's not Marvel? Oh, my gosh. I should have fact-checked that. Um, what about Ant-Man? Yeah, I know, I know. All right. So, I was thinking, though, what is it about Marvel that I love so much? Why do we all love it so much? And I think it's because in us is this desire to seek out adventure. We love the idea that uh, there's these opportunities out there for us where we can save the world, we can uh, get the baddies under control, we can um, have all these superpowers and come together and uh, just kind of do these big, massive adventures. And so I was thinking, okay, like, is that the only place in our lives where we get adventure? Is when we watch it on the screen. When we're watching Marvel and we're seeking it and we're living vicariously through these amazing people and we're living out their adventures. And it's the only other alternate is when you become obsessed with rock climbing. Like, is that the only options we have for adventure in our lives. And it's funny because so many people, and something that we're going to look at tonight is that we're supposed to have this adventure with Jesus. But I don't know about you, but there seems to be this massive void between the adventures that I read in the Bible, the adventures that I'm told are awaiting us, and what we experience like sitting in a chair at youth on Friday or sitting at church on Sunday morning and we're reading these like we're watching Marvel or we're reading the stories in the Bible and we're living through them rather than having our own adventures for ourselves. And I thought if we're following Jesus and we're following the guy who lived the craziest, most wild adventure that changed the whole course of history, if we're following that guy, does our life have just as much adventure in it? Is that a good representation if we're following Jesus that us to have adventure? Is there a close link there? Now, I was thinking about my own life and uh, I was questioning that in even my own life. And maybe you've thought the same thing. Do I have that level of excitement? Do I have that uh, wonder and awe when it comes to following Jesus? Or is it kind of a bit just like going through the motions, same old? And, you know, the last couple of days, we started this journey back on Monday night and we looked at this incredible invitation where Jesus says, come, hey, you got there. That was good though. Um, come, follow me. 
We looked at this invitation that these people just could not deny. Then we looked at the promise that Jesus is going to lead us to a place where we couldn't be on our own, that he can actually give us a front row ticket to him bringing people into the kingdom of God, bringing them from death to life, from darkness into the light. And so that we actually get included in that and he calls us to be fishers of men, bringing them from the depths of uh, the darkness of the waters and into the light and following him. And then we looked at uh, with Matt the idea that we drop everything immediately because it costs us something, but the reward in him is so strong and so great. Then this morning, Tom was encouraging us that uh, we don't just want to start off well. We don't just want to kind of run into that invitation and following him, but we also then want to finish well. So that's where we've been so far. But I think tonight what we're wanting to address is, okay, well, what's in the middle? If we want to start well and we want to finish well, what happens in between? And what I'm hoping that we see is that in between is the best part. The in between is the every day following Christ and seeing uh, what the adventure awaits in us. So we're going to turn to Mark chapter 6. We're skipping a few chapters here. Mark chapter 6. And we are reading from verse 7 to 13. Mark chapter 6, 7 to 13. We read, calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bags, no money in your belt, wear sandals, aka slides and socks, obby, but not an extra shirt. Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? You've been like just chilling with Jesus. You're in your squad. There's the 12 of you. You're seeing all these amazing things. And then all of a sudden, Jesus changes gears and is like, okay, cool. Now your turn. And you're like, okay, is this like a massive group assignment that's going to suck? Can we pick our partners? Shotgun Peter, obviously the favorite. I wonder how they're feeling. I wonder if they're thinking, oh, sick, now it's my goat. I get to go out and do all these things that Jesus has done. How cool. Or I wonder if they're kind of absolutely so nervous as I would be that the fact that now, now it's our turn back in the, the big wide world and I'm not sure if I can actually do it. But remember, we skipped about five chapters in the book of Mark between the invitation and now the sending. What's happened in those five chapters is that these disciples have had an absolute front row seat. They have watched Jesus closely do some incredible things. We take up from Mark 1, just where we left off, and we see that uh, between Mark 1 and Mark 6, Jesus was driving out spirits. He was healing Mary. He healed the man with leprosy. He healed a paralyzed man. He was challenged and rebuked by others. He was tested in the Jewish law. He uh, raised a girl from the dead. He calmed a storm. He did some pretty amazing things. And these guys have seen every single moment of it. And now they're being told to do what? Exactly what Jesus has been doing from the beginning. In Mark 1, we read together, 
uh, that Jesus was proclaiming the good news in Galilee. I don't know if you remember, he was saying that the kingdom of God is here. The time has come. Repent and believe the good news. And so he hasn't changed tax. He's not like springing this on them. He has been showing them the whole way and they have been following him up until now. So now Jesus is saying, hey guys, now it's your turn. Go for it. And they're getting nervous perhaps, or maybe they're excited, but at least what they've done is they've had this modeled to them the whole way because they've been in close proximity with Jesus. A couple of years ago, I was uh, thinking about, okay, after school, I want to have a a dream and do something wild, take something off my bucket list. I wonder if you've got a dream of something you want to do when you leave school. And my dream was to do exactly what my big brother did because he did it, looked cool, and so I wanted to do the same. Hollow youngest, it's the best. No? Anyone? Babies? Thank you. So good. So anyway, I did exactly what he did, and uh, we actually were both, really randomly, but we both had this dream to become ski instructors. And so I thought it would be cool to have like six little five-year-olds all snotty in the snow, Um, and it seemed a lot more glamorous than when I turned up. But I got my visa, I got a job, I got on a plane, remember those things. Uh, And I went to the snow and uh, was teaching three to six-year-olds. And I got there and it was like week one. I was in the job, I was the only Aussie, I was the youngest by far, I had no idea what I was doing. I was feeling completely out of my depths. And I had this moment with this young girl, she was five, and she was in my class and her name was Chloe. And before we go out onto the slopes, we kind of get everyone ready, calm everyone down, get everyone kind of knowing what the day is going to look like. And uh, the thing about being in the snow is you dehydrate really quick. And so you want to try and uh, get these kids to drink water. So I said to Chloe, I said, hey, Chloe, do you want a glass of water? And she looked at me. She looked puzzled. And she said, what? I said, do you want some water? And she said, what? Oh my gosh. I grabbed a a glass and I said, Chloe, would you like a glass of water? And she said straight back to me in her little American accent, I can't understand you. Speak American. And I was like, this is going to be a tough gig. I've got all season. We're in week one. Oh no. How am I going to communicate with these little grommets? And so I That was like week one. And so um, we used to do this thing where, I don't know if you've been to the snow or if you've seen it in the movies, but when you um, have little kids, what you do is you have them follow you in a line and you kind of ski and then you've got all these little munchkins behind you following in your tracks, super cute. And so um, I would always say to my, my little class, I would say to them, all right, regardless of what you do, you need to follow my tracks, you need to watch me and you just go wherever I go. You follow my turns. We used to play this game where I said, red light, and everyone would like stop. Then I'd say, green light, and everyone would go. Then I'd say, purple light, and everyone would boogie. And so it's the cutest thing ever. Um, But what we would do is then that would mean wherever I went, even if they were scared, I would just say, follow me. Stay in my traps. Watch my movements. Just copy me. I'm not going to take you anywhere that you can't handle. Just literally trust me, follow me, and we'll have a great time. I think that what we do, though, is that we forget the power of following someone and copying someone in order to stay behind them, to stay on the path 
to continue to be led by them. And I wonder if we actually had this mentality after this whole week of Soul Survivor to remember that we are following Jesus. We want to stay in his track. We want to keep our eyes on him. Wherever he goes, we want to go. We want to copy his movements. We want to stay close to him. Because when we do that, it doesn't matter where he takes us because we're just following his lead. If he takes us down some pretty sketchy paths, we know that he must know what he's doing and he must be better at this than us and we're just going to follow along him. When he says stop, we're going to stop. When he says go, we're going to go. When he says purple light, we're going to boogie. (laughs) But the thing is, if we're following Jesus, if we're close behind him, we're just going to be in safe hands. We're going to live this crazy fun adventure because the one we're following is faithful and we're just going to follow his lead. Like these kids that I had on the snow, they would get to the point where we would improve exponentially because they wouldn't be looking down at themselves. They wouldn't be looking beside them. They wouldn't be like, well, some of them would just daydream and it would drive me nuts. But because they had their eyes fixed on me, their their skills improved. I could take them wherever I wanted them to go. In Hebrews 12, it says this, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. The race that's marked out for us, the adventure of life, we want to do it fixing our eyes on Jesus. We want to watch what he does. We want to learn from him. We want to copy him. Everything that you've seen him do in your life, every position that he's placed you in, the the sports teams that you're in, the friends that you have, watch what he's doing in those environments and follow him. Why are you there? Why has he led you there? What is he hoping to have you do in those environments to follow the adventure of, uh, of bringing people from death into life, to showing them a better way to live, to have them maybe follow you as you follow Christ so that then you're able to introduce to them the one that you are following. So not only did the disciples watch what Jesus did, they also listened to what he said. And it's funny, in the next chapter, uh, just after they're kind of sent out, they come back and unfortunately we don't get like a report necessarily straight away of how they went. I want to know what the stories were. That will save that for stories in heaven. But the thing is, the next very next scene we get to is one, the famous scene of feeding the 5,000. And these guys, they've just been out kind of on their prack. They've been with their pairs, doing all this, casting out demons, healing the sick, seeing amazing things firsthand, not with Jesus there um, kind of leading the way, but these guys are having a, a go for themselves, living the absolute adventure. And then what happens is they get to feeding the 5,000. They're back with the crew. Jesus is there. And after all that, they get to the point where then they're like, oh, Jesus, they're hungry. What should we do? And can you imagine Jesus going, are you kidding me? You guys have just been doing such amazing stuff. Why are you defaulting to me? Sense, well, what should we do? And so Jesus says, okay, well, what have we got? And what can we do? And they end up feeding these 5,000 people and it's amazing. But what they do in those moments, even though they ask Jesus, they listen and they obey. He says a crazy thing, like get some food and we'll multiply it. Like, okay, sure. They have such trust in him 
that even when they when Jesus asks of crazy things of them, they follow his lead because they listen and obey him. A couple of years ago now as well, I was in a season of my life where I didn't know what was next. I don't know if you've had seasons like that, but spoiler alert, life is filled with them. And you get to the end of a certain thing, maybe uni finishes or school finishes or a job finishes or you end up moving uh, cities or states or whatever. And you wonder with God, okay, well, what's going to happen here? What should I do now? And it's in those moments that you, you ask, you've got a dilemma like the disciples did, and you, you come to Jesus and you ask him, what should I do? And I had one of those moments. Um, I was finishing up my work with Soul Survivor, and I was sensing with Matt, okay, well, what's next? And we both sensed that there was kind of a stepping out of the boat kind of feeling that I needed to have. Soul Survivor is one of the best places to work. As you can imagine, it's like this every day. And it's not really, the team's probably laughing, but it's, it's so much fun. And the beautiful thing about working for Soul Survivor is you feel so much purpose and you feel so, um, so fulfilled because you get to create environments like this where people actually give their life to the Lord. And what job is like better than that? And what team is more fun than that? And how will I ever find a job that isn't a disappointment to what I've had here at Seoul. And so I was a bit nervous going into the next season. And so I said to the Lord, I said, well, what should I do? Like, where should I work? What, what should I do? And the response that I got was more around one of uh, these words that came to mind. I sensed with the Holy Spirit that, that God was saying, push on the doors and see what I open." And when God speaks, it's not like this audible voice of like, you should do this or like watch out for your inbox in three minutes and emails coming. It will be the one. It's not this like, well, it might be for you, but it's not normally this directive audible voice, but rather with the Holy Spirit, what I believe is that he's encouraging you to see an aspect of the character of God that maybe you need in that moment. He's reminding you of maybe the love of God, the faithfulness of God, that you should trust in God, that he has stayed the same, he's not going to change, that nothing you have done has disqualified you from his love. These are character traits that I think when we listen to God, he reminds us of. And so in that moment, when he said, push on the door and see what I open, what was he doing? He was reminding me that I need to trust him and that he has got a all holding together and that I should not hold on to my future like this, but rather I should hold on to it like this. And so what that practically meant was any kind of job that came up that I thought, oh, maybe that would be fun. I would push on the door and I'd see what happened. And we were sitting in the office and we sit around like a big wooden table uh, at Seoul and we were discussing like, okay, well, what's next? And I remember this so vividly. Matt was sitting diagonally opposite me and we were like looking at kind of options. Isn't it amazing that like my employer was helping me find my next job? But he said, oh my gosh, what about this one? It sounds perfect. It's a young adult's pastor job and oh, it's a great church. Look, they like Soul Survivor and they do Alpha, so that's great. Um, This sounds perfect. And at this time I had 
like been on all the job websites. I had known what was out there. And I thought, I haven't seen that. Well, well, strange. How's he found that? And he turns it around and the first words that I see is Gold Coast. And I was like, wait a minute. No, no way. I used to search for jobs by not putting anything in the search bar, but just putting a 30-kilometer radius from my house. Because I was like, obviously, I don't want to move anywhere. Hence why I didn't see the Gold Coast job. And so I remember I thought, there's no way in the world that I want to apply for that job. But the Holy Spirit reminded me, push on the doors and see what I open. And so I reluctantly printed out like the job application or something and I took it with me and I thought, oh, I really don't want to do this. And then I was convicted and so then I did it and I submitted it and I was like, okay, cool, I pushed it on it. Obviously, you're not going to open it. <laughs> That's not the way this is going to go. It definitely was the way it went. And if I had not listened to the following of God in that moment, I don't think I would have applied for that job. And it's not about like your calling is to be a pastor. Your calling is to obey the voice of God, regardless of what he's calling you into. What is he reminding you of in those moments? What character trait is he trying to remind you of in him? Another example in the context of my life is I was looking for Bible colleges to go to. Again, I know this sounds really pastory, but it was just my context and what I was feeling. Uh, God was exciting in my spirit in that moment. Um, and so it might be what uni you're going to or what trade you're going to do or what city you're going to live in. It could be anything. But I, I was trying to decide what uh, Bible college to go to. And there were plenty of options and all my friends went to one of them and it was the natural, obvious choice. And in that moment, I said to God, okay, well, what are you asking of me in this? How am I going to choose a Bible college? And I sensed him saying, you're going to Bible college because I want you to see the full aspect of me and, and faith. Not just build on one particular part that you already know, but be stretched to know the breadth of uh, what's in the following of, of Christianity. And so when I was deciding which Bible college to go to, I wanted to go to this certain one where all my friends went. I went to the open day and I would turn through like the booklet Every single page was like one of my friends who I knew. And I was like, oh, look, oh, look, like and taking photos and sending it to them. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to come here. But it's not that there was anything wrong with that college. It was the best choice for me in my thinking. But I remind, was reminded of what God asked of me in that moment. And it was to expand my thinking, expand my depth of my relationship with Jesus and to see him from different angles and different lights. And if I went to that Bible college, I'd just be building on what I already knew. And so that guided me through that process. You're going to have so many things that come up in life where you need guidance. You're going to ask, what should I do? What should I apply for? Where should I live? Who should I date? Where should I do my uni degree? Should I go to uni? All these things the questions are going to come up in your life. But what we want to do when we're following Jesus is ask him and listen to how he is leading us. There's uh, some verses in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 15 where it talks about uh, that better is uh, obedience than sacrifice. And one of my good friends was trying to, um, he was explaining that context in his own life. 
And you see, in the time of when First Samuel was written, there were all these rituals and uh, kind of religious things that you would do in sacrifices in order to kind of do the right thing and to make yourself uh, whole before God and to offer sacrifices uh, to receive forgiveness. And it was this, this is what they had at the time for being uh, kind of religious, you would say. And it had good intent and good heart. But what's interesting is in these verses, it says this, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To listen and obey is better than going through the motions. To listen and obey is better than just doing what you think the right thing to do is. The way that my friend described it is he said, it's like order of operations in maths. Brackets, Whatever powers, the next one, who cares? No one uses maths ever in real life. So the, the concept is that if you don't get the order right, if you don't prioritize the right things, you're going to get the wrong answer. And so what we want to do is recognize that obedience is better than just doing the motions. Obedience and listening to God will always come first in what we're wanting to do. I want to finish by um, just telling a story, actually, of this guy called Lex. And I read about Lex's story in uh, this book called Everybody Always. And I love this book. It's a bunch of amazing stories about how to love everybody always. Anyway, Lex, he's this, um, he's an athlete, and the, the athletics that he does is he runs and does long jump. And if you remember, long jump is like you sprint down this super narrow runway. You get to like the line or the beam and then you fling your body into the air and land in a sandpit. Who comes up with these things? Anyway, so he, his choice is long jump and he's excellent at it. He's actually, he uh, competes at like some of the highest levels in the United States and he is uh, one of the best in his field. And so he does this long jump and he flings his body into the air and it goes so far. The thing with Lex is, Lex is blind. And Lex sprints down a narrow straight runway, gets to a line and flings his body into the air and lands in a sandpit blind. How on earth do you do that? The amount of trust that you would have that you've run down the right path and got to the end and that the sand is going to be there, that's risky business. And so what, what Lex does is he has a good friend of his who obviously he trusts a lot. And this good friend of his takes Lex all the way to the back of the runway. He straightens his shoulders so that he knows where the path is. Lex's friend then walks down the path to where the beam is. And Lex's friend starts saying, I think it's fly, if that's right. He says, fly, fly, fly. And he just keeps repeating it. And what Lex does is he sprints towards this voice. 
And as he sprints, he can hear it get closer and he can work out the distance. And when he gets in line with his friend, he knows that this is the place that I launch my body out into the air and land in the sand. Isn't that phenomenal? And in this book, what uh, Bob Goff, the author, is doing is he's saying the only reason that Lex can do that is because he knows that his trustworthy friend is speaking and he knows his voice and he is able to therefore be guided by the voice of his friend. There's a moment where it doesn't go well and you can imagine that would be terrible to watch. But what then he does is he gets up and he speaks to his friend again and his friend brushes the gravel off his body and he says, let's go again. I've got this. Trust me, we've got this. The beautiful thing is in the crazy adventure of our life, in not knowing where the end of the runway is in our life, not knowing what's next, not knowing the adventures of life and where to fling our bodies, we have the best most trustworthy friend to follow his voice. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says that my sheep know my voice. They follow me. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. We are learning to know God's voice. We are learning to decipher amongst the many voices who are asking us to follow them. We are learning how to recognize Jesus' voice and recognize what he's calling us to because we want to keep following him. We want to keep watching him. We want to keep listening to him. We want to keep obeying him. So that when he has done incredible things in our lives, when he's placed us in places of influence, when he's positioned you somewhere, you can be excited for, well, what have you got for me here, God? What adventure are you calling me to? I've watched you do this, this, this in my life, and I've seen you do these things. And now is it my turn? Are you sending me out? Are you putting me on the field? Is it, is it my go? And in those moments where God is sending us out because he's, he's been faithful in showing us He's then not just sending us out out of nowhere. He's actually saying, you've watched me do it. You've followed me. You've copied me. You've seen me do it. Now you go do it yourself. We're then able to listen to his voice and follow him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, faithful is the one who calls you, for he will also do it. Not only does Jesus call us, he also then comes alongside us. And so he is so trustworthy. He's asking us to watch him, to follow closely behind him, to see how he does things. And then he's asking us to listen to him, to know his voice, to be obedient to that voice. And then see as he comes alongside us the amazing, cool adventures that he leads us on. I hope as you walk away from conference tomorrow, I hope as you maybe leave or go to bed tonight, that you don't hear, oh, that's cool because that only worked because you're a pastor. These guys were fishermen. The apostles were from all different walks of life. 
the, the examples that we have in the Bible are not just people who are employed at a church. Actually, I don't think any of them are. These are just people doing their life, but doing their life following Jesus and with Jesus. So don't be tempted to think that only works when you work for church. It's really not the case. Because otherwise we would have like all of you as pastors as well, because it works in your life as well. So be encouraged that the dreams that God has given you, the ideas of uni that you have, a college or TAFE or whatever business you want to start or adventure you want to do, know that God is calling you in that place. But listen to him and ask him and be obedient to him. What we're going to do now is just kind of take a moment to respond and to let, I guess, this message translate into your context. And the best person to do that that I know is the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take a moment now. Um, we're actually going to just remain seated. I'm going to invite Matt up. And we're just going to take a moment to then see where is Jesus asking you to watch him and to follow him closely? And what is he asking you to listen to his voice for? Where is he leading you? What are you listening to?